Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Welcome everybody. It is Thursday afternoon, which means it is Fresh Thinking time. Last week was just 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 before Yom Tov, so there's no way that we could have done this. It's it just such a busy time of the year. Uh, well, such a busy time just before Yom Tov, so it wasn't appropriate. It wasn't practical to have fresh thinking. I hope you missed it. I hope you missed being together on the airwaves. As always, this is interactive. You have a say. You drive the show. You are part of the experience. You can pick us up, obviously, on Chai FM. And uh, that means that you can pick us up live via streaming, chaifm.com. And I'm trying something different today doing the show also on Facebook Live. So let's just see. Maybe that will create a little bit more interaction than what we normally have. So I came across an article. I actually came across this a while ago, and I was debating whether or not it was something to put out into the public domain and to discuss. But as usual, you always are very interactive. You give insight. You share ideas. You share opinions. So I thought, you know what? Why not? Let's put it out there and see what people say. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is this particular article, the headline of which is that a Harvard professor blames the malignant belief in afterlife for lockdown protests. Okay, interesting. Uh, I think the protests in the United States at the moment are a little bit different to just lockdown. But that's what he said, and so it is uh, something to consider, something to think about. As always, you can interact. The number to call if you want to speak to us in studio Sorry, not to speak to us in the studio. We're not doing that. It's lockdown circumstances. That's why I'm sitting over here, not in the studio. So you SMS 34519 or you send a message on Telegram to 0618951019. You can comment on Facebook, on the Chai FM Facebook page, on my own Facebook page. You could tweet at Chai FM. You could tweet at Rabbi Shish. There are all kinds of ways to engage over here today. We're going to spend some time together and talk about things that are hopefully thought-provoking. I definitely think that uh, a lot of what's going on in today's world is definitely thought-provoking. Lots of content to discuss. Today, I'm interested in this particular angle. Is there, well, I mean, you could easily take exception, I think, to the expression malignant belief. You choose to believe, you choose not to believe. A malignant belief, that's quite a heavy statement. So to say the malignant belief that people have in an afterlife might be the reason that people were pushing to end the lockdown. It's definitely something interesting to explore. And as always, we look at things from a Torah perspective, from a Jewish perspective, and from your perspective. So you're part of the conversation, and you always have the opportunity to share and to give some input. So I'd like to just share with you uh, some of the key elements of this article, because that will get our conversation going. So it's a Harvard psychology professor by the name of Steven Pinker, I actually haven't heard of him before. But basically he says that, there's. remember, there was this great debate, and it's a debate which is playing out in our own communities in a different way. So a couple of weeks ago the big debate was lockdown versus open up because there's a concern about the economy and there's a concern about people being able to put food on their table, which is obviously very real, very real stuff. So in the context of what was going on, uh, there was a lot of conflict. It seems to have settled now. We we seem to be moving in a direction, at least here in South Africa. I don't know how it is in the rest of the world. But moving in a direction 
where people can accept that we've got to open up the society and we've got to allow people the opportunity to go and to earn and to kickstart the economy and do all those wonderful things. So that, that we know that's, that's now good. But there was a time and, and perhaps even in certain circles, it's still a major debate. I know around schools and that's probably going to creep into the discussion over here today. If you have a view on that, by the way, uh, seeing as here in South Africa, it is now legal to open places of worship under very strict regulations. Perhaps you have a thought on that as well. But it's interesting that here's a fellow who says that the, if you looked at how it was divided in the United States between the people who were in favor of maintaining the lockdown versus the people who looked to open the country, it seemed to be quite evenly divided. And it's a huge generalization, but this is at least the contention in the article. So divided along the lines of people who are a, a um, Republican Democrat. And he, in his thinking wants to suggest that Republicans tend to be more religious, they tend to be Christian, and therefore they tend to believe in the afterlife, as opposed to Democrats, who he says very often are cynical or skeptical about religion. I think it's a huge generalization, but anyhow, that's what he says. And they believe more in science and the validity of science. So science tells you that you've got to keep the lockdown in order to protect people from the spread of epidemic virus. And religion says, trust in God, and let's go back to the places of worship, and let's go back to the places of work. And let's get the economy and the country running again. So in his words, he calls that a malignant delusion. That was his expression. A malignant delusion. <laughs> Belief in the afterlife. And here's the exact quotation. Belief in an afterlife is a malignant delusion because it devalues actual lives and discourages action that would make them longer, safer, and happier. Okay, it's quite a, a contention. It's quite a suggestion, right? So what's he saying? That if you believe that this life is only part of the experience, but there is another life still to look forward to, surely, surely that indicates that you don't have to do everything to protect this life. This life is transient and the soul lives on. So his argument was that the loudest voices that you would hear against the lockdown, the lou loudest voices that you would hear around... Uh, you know, keeping the, the economy or getting the economy open, those would be the people who don't really care much, in his words, they don't really care much for life as we know it, because don't worry if what's the worst that will happen, you'll die. No, as they say in the classics, nishkeferlech, so a person will die, they'll land up in the next world and live on eternally. I thought it was fascinating. And, and again, I'm going to repeat that quotation. Belief in an afterlife is a malignant delusion. And here's the part that I would highlight if this was in a text since it devalues actual lives and discourages action that would make them longer, safer, and happier. And that's what I thought we should talk about over here today. Well, what do you think about that? Do you think, firstly, from experience, secondly, from a philosophical point of view, do you think that those people who believe in an afterlife would dafka be the, the people who wouldn't care about the preservation of human physical life, because that's the argument, that's the contention. So he's being critical, this professor is being critical of people who are people of faith and saying, you are willing to risk your life for something that is tenuous at best uh, because you don't care, because your soul's going to live on and there's going to be an afterlife and, and it's all going to be good. <laughs> it's, it's quite something. So I'd like to hear and engage and discuss what do you think about that? You can send an SMS to our Chai FM SMS line, 34519. You could send a Telegram message. 
to 061-895-1019. If it's from overseas, it would be plus 2761-895-1019. And of course, uh, we're live on Facebook today. There's the Chai FM Facebook page, my own Facebook page. There is Twitter, at Chai FM and at Ravashish. There are many ways to engage on this. And I, I'm sure there have to be people who have opinions. Uh, our Jewish community, Canaan or as they say, has opinions on just about everything. So why should this be any less so? If you are somebody who is a person of faith, if you believe, if you believe in Oilam Haba, the world to come, you should definitely have an opinion and a response to the suggestion that those who believe in an afterlife are the people who are likely to take this life less seriously, and they are the ones who are likely to undermine this life. Do you agree with that? Do you think that that makes any sense? Is it something that offends you? Um, I can imagine that many people would find it actually offensive to have that kind of an allegation thrown at them. So what's your view on that? Um, you could certainly get involved in the conversation. Send a text, 34519. Send a telegram message, 061-895-1019. Send a message on Facebook, wherever, wherever it is that you want to engage. I think it's uh, definitely something that is worth talking about. And it, it reminds me a little bit of a story, which I'll tell you in just a moment. We'll come back in a second. So if you're following us on Facebook Live, this is where we go to ads on Chai FM. And... Uh, We'll be back in just a moment. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Start to talk about things like the world to come, Oilam Haba, the next world. It starts so many different streams of thought in people's minds. Steve says it reminds him of the Abraham Fried song, but I, I need to know which. Which Abraham Fried song? I could I think of a couple. So it reminds me a little bit of a story. They tell a story. In fact, it's quite relevant. Today is the 12th of Sivan, the 12th day of the Hebrew month of Sivan. So that means that we're three days, obviously, from the 15th day of Sivan. The 15th of Sivan in uh, Chabad history is quite a significant date because in 1927, that is the date that the previous rebel was arrested by the communist regime. And the charge sheet against him was for trying to preserve Jewish life and practice in communist Russia. But they obviously didn't call it that. They called it um, a rebellious work or revolutionary work against the, the, the government. So they arrested him on the 15th of Sivan, and he remained in prison for a, a number of weeks. And during that prison stay, as you can well imagine, the communist machine had all kinds of means at their disposal to try and crack them, break people, and get the, uh, you know, to get them to talk or to get them to acknowledge or cough up to things that they actually hadn't done. And on one particular occasion, when they found that the previous rebel was impossible to break, one of his interrogators whipped out a pistol, and he said to him, this small toy has the capacity to make even a heart of stone soft. And anybody talks. You know, when you when you threaten somebody with a gun, basically, they're, they're going to talk. And the previous rebel said to him, that toy only works, it, it, it only intimidates somebody who believes in multiple deities and only one life. But for we who believe in a single deity, one God, but we believe that we have more than one life, we're not intimidated by the weapon. 
So I think that might well talk to this concept and to this topic about people who believe in another life, that this is not where it ends. This is not the be-all and end-all. And if, God forbid, a person dies, then it's not the end of their journey and the soul lives on. You can understand the thinking behind somebody who says, well, in that case, surely you don't care much about this life. Rene disagrees. Rene says, uh, not true. People who believe in an afterlife, in my opinion, have more to be happy about in this life. I don't think the question is necessarily about being happy in this life. Why can you not be happy in this life and still look forward to an afterlife? I think the particular allegation of this Professor Pinker was that people who believe there's an afterlife don't feel the same stress or the same urgency to protect human life because what's the worst that will happen? The worst that will happen is the person will pass away. New, so their soul will continue to live. How can that be such a terrible thing? You know, let's put it into different words just for a second. Play a little bit of the other side of the argument. So let's put it into different words. Could you imagine if, God forbid, somebody had a terminal illness? What would we tell them as Jewish people? We would tell them things along the lines of, I mean, obviously, you'd have to be extremely sensitive. And really, the only thing that we should tell them is that we care about them. That's actually the only thing we should be telling a person who's in a distressing situation. But if we were to philosophize, what we would say to them is that, yes, it's, it's a very difficult thing to go through, but know that this is not the end. Know that there is hope, that there is a, a world on the other side, that the soul continues to live. We would use those terminologies. We would. And if, God forbid, somebody has lost a family member and they're mourning and they're grieving and we go to the shiver house and we're supposed to extend words of comfort to them, we'll do the same thing. We'll say, you have to appreciate that as difficult and as hard, as hurtful as this, as painful as this is for you, at the end of the day, for the soul, this is not the end of a journey. And the soul lives on. These are things that roll off our tongue in the Jewish world. It's common, it's normal for us to speak about it. We say, Kol Yisrael that every single one of us has a portion in the world to come. And Steve says that's the song that, that's stuck in his head now. Abraham Freed's Kol Yisrael Yeshlem Chelek Loilam Abba. So every, every one of us has a portion in the world to come. It's, it's part and parcel of who we are, how we think, and what we believe. So let's talk about this from a, an objective, or try and be as much as we can objective about it. Is it possible that a person believing in a life in the world to come may be more prepared to relinquish their life in this world. We do know that there are certain faiths who believe that you should not intervene. If a person is sick, that is God's will, and that means that he wants their soul, and and it's fine, it's okay. You don't have to have any medical intervention, because if they go, they go, and if they go, it's to the divine will, and and so be it. You know, so be it. That That's acceptable, because the soul will live on. Jews don't do that. We, we're not allowed to do that. We have an instruction in the Torah, verapoy yerapay, that there's a mikan, the Talmud says mikan, from that expression, verapoy yerapay, that it talks about a person who's been injured going for medical help. So the Talmud extrapolates, well, that's obviously telling you that the Torah expects you to go for medical help. Otherwise, it wouldn't be part of the conversation. So the idea of just relinquishing control and saying, ah, it's okay because we are going to live again in the next world does not appear to be a Jewish motivation not to do things to protect life in this world. Maybe we should rephrase the question. Maybe the question is, let's, let's put it from this perspective. 
If I had to ask you as a Jewish person, and, and this should be an easy answer, by the way. If I had to ask you as a Jewish person, how valuable, how much of a priority is human life? The preservation of human life. What would you respond? Somebody had to ask you, let's say that you were, you were called up, uh, I don't know, you were contacted by your local news agency, and they said to you that uh, they'd like to hear your view as a representative of the Jewish community. They would like to hear your view as to whether or not or how important, how much is the priority of human life. I'd love to hear what it is that you have to say. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, people take these things to heart, eh? Got one message over here that says... Uh, <laughs> Firstly, the professor is clearly an idiot. <laughs> okay, I'm just reading, okay, just quoting. Secondly, it is normal for us to speak about, uh, it is normal for us to speak about, is he saying that only atheists worry about COVID-19? Exactly, exactly. Don't you hate it? I mean, personally, it's a pet peeve of mine, is when somebody gets onto their moral high horse because of their self-appointed self-righteous position as Noah of all things, it really is a pet peeve of mine. When people get onto their moral high horse and start telling you that you're not as good as me because I believe in things and I care about people more than you care about people and so on and so forth. So exactly that. I mean, what's the insinuation over here? That unless you're an atheist and unless you only believe that this is the one and only life, then you don't care about about disease and you don't care about uh, virus. I think it's an excellent point. right? I think it's an excellent point. And Maybe that's why the faith community and certainly our Jewish community becomes so defensive because very often these allegations are not made as a point of conversation. They're made disparagingly, patronizingly. We're the intellectual elite and you're just the people who have, as I saw in a cartoon yesterday, we have reams of scientific evidence to support our position. And what do you have? Just that one little book called the Bible, which incidentally is still the bestseller and the most shoplifted book. Although, if I can be contentious for just a moment, I don't believe that there have been too many uh, Bibles stolen in the United States over the last few days. Uh, the Bibles become another whole point of contention in the United States, and we're not going to go there. We're not going to get into that right now, uh, but it is interesting. So there's this, uh, yeah, there's that, that kind of that patronizing kind of an approach. We're the intelligentsia. We're the, we're the people who really know what's flying over here. You guys, what are you? What kind of a degree do you have? So you, you, you learned for a few years to become a, a, a rabbi. What do you really know about life? You know, real dialogue, meaningful dialogue, intellectual dialogue, real engagement is respectful and open and honest. And when you start throwing out heavy terminology like malignant belief, I think you've lost the opportunity to be objective and open and honest. I'd love to hear what everybody else thinks about this. Please send an SMS 34519. Use the Telegram line, 0618951019, the Chai FM Twitter line, or Facebook feeds. Twitter is at Chai FM. Facebook, obviously the Chai FM Facebook page. I'm on my own Facebook page today, and there is at Rabbi Shish as the regular Twitter feed. Whichever one you're going to use. If somebody had to ask you, as an ordinary Jewish person, to comment on behalf of the Jewish community and say, at what level is the priority of physical human life, not the life of the soul in the world to come. We're going to save your soul. No, the life of the human being. How highly would you rate the priority of human life in your view of what Judaism believes? The corona crisis has brought about a change in the way that we work for both adults and children. 
Ukuni Business Furniture has just released a collection of home office furniture that caters to these needs. Designed and manufactured right here in South Africa and shipped to your door. You can view the collection on the Ukuni Home Office Store. That's www.ukuni.co.za. Now, I don't think anybody knows how to spell Ukuni. So it's U-K-H-U-N-I. U-K-H-U-N-I. That's where you will find their full range. Also, Ideal Furnishes are open. Ideal Furnishes are offering big discounts this week on all well-known base and mattresses plus a free mattress protector with every purchase over 4,500 Rand. Phone Nathan Fine on 082-854-5706. That's 082-854-5706. If you've just tuned in, this is High FM. It's Fresh Thinking every Thursday afternoon, 2 p.m. here in Joburg. Usually we do it in studio, but for the last few weeks, we're doing it from the comfort of my own office or home, depending on the day, which is definitely an interesting experience. But you are still engaged, which is wonderful. It's always nice to have people interfacing and interacting, which is really, really nice. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can do so at any time. You can send an SMS to 34519. You can message us via Telegram. On 0618951019, speak to us on Facebook or on Twitter. There's so many ways to engage in today's world. Here's, uh, here's another message on Telegram. God-fearing people have a belief system that they can rely on in a time of crisis. It is over a resource and coping mechanism from a pragmatic point. I don't know what atheists can count on in time of crisis. Hopefully it's not advice or taking directions from such professors. Oh, coping mechanism. Yeah, okay, so there we go. So yes, if you have faith, you do have something to fall back on. Maybe that's part of the criticism that people have of the faith community. It's a crutch, you know. <laughs> okay, we can debate that perhaps another time. And, uh, you know, what, what does everybody else have to fall back on? What is your fallback position? I think uh, a number of you have said it, and I think it's it, it's not surprising. I'm certainly not surprised in any way, shape, or form that people will make the comment that in Judaism, the primacy of human life, physical human life, is absolute. You know, the Torah says, V'chai bohem. V'chai bohem means that you are supposed to live with the Torah, live with the mitzvahs, which basically means if there's a toss-up between a mitzvah and, God forbid, a threat to life, the threat to life trumps the mitzvah. So if for argument's sake you had to go, uh, let's say somebody was unwell and you had to take them to a hospital and it happened to be Shabbos and you're not supposed to, it's not even a question. There is absolutely no question about it. V'chai bahem. It is part and parcel of how a Jewish person is supposed to live, that we prioritize life over everything. I, people don't necessarily even think about this because it's so incredibly obvious how Jews walk around with a chain that has chai on it, the Hebrew letters chai, which means life, not just because it's a nice thing and it kind of indicates some kind of optimism, it's because this is an integral value of who we are. But I get it, I actually get it, I actually understand where the professor is coming from, I actually understand the problem that many people have with this notion of the so-called malignant faith, the so-called 
uh, if you believe in the afterlife, you don't value life. And I'll tell you where I think it comes from. Let's say for argument's sake that a person had a challenge, and this is something that many faith groups have faced over the course of history and still today. Let's say that a person was a person of faith. You believe very strongly in your particular religion. And now there is a situation where your back is against the wall and you have to make a choice. Will you continue to be committed to your religion or will you be willing to die for your religion? And it's happened right across the board in in every faith group. There has been a time where they've been persecuted and they've been given the choice. Do you accept a different faith system or do you die? And every religion has martyrs without a question. And whether that you can debate whether those martyrs were religious people or irreligious people is actually a moot point. The, the interesting thing is that in every, <coughs> in every single religion, in every faith group, there have been martyrs. So what goes through the martyr's mind? Let's think about that for a second. What goes through the martyr's mind? Why is the martyr willing to die for belief? Why? So when you think about it and you do a psychological analysis or a theological analysis, you can totally understand where they're coming from. Totally understand. Look, let's say that I really believe this stuff. Let's say that I'm a deeply religious person. Let's say that I honestly believe in the soul and the power of the soul and the meaning of the soul and the eternity of the soul. I really believe that. Let's say that I really believe in a world to come, that there's a paradise on the other side and those people who've lived their lives in accordance with what God wants will get an amazing experience in the world to come. So as long as I'm living in a world that is comfortable, that allows me that spiritual experience, that allows me to practice, then great, I'm happy right where I am. Here I'm connecting with my soul, and to me that's the most valuable thing in the whole world. I can practice my faith, I can believe as I wish to believe, it's good to be here. If that changes, and now there's an ultimatum which says you can either choose to live in this world and abandon what you really care about. So abandon your soul, abandon your faith, abandon your heritage, or you've got to die. You can understand the the thinking of the martyr. You can understand that basically what the martyr is going to say is, hang on a second, the only thing that really means anything to me is the soul, is the faith, is the world to come. If you're going to take that away from me, why should I live? To paraphrase Lahavdil, our matriarch, Rachel, Rochel, What's the point of living? If I cannot live what I consider to be life, why live at all? I think some people have been feeling that over the last few weeks. If I can't see my family and I cannot go to work and I'm holed up in my house, you call this living? So you can understand the psychology of the martyr. And if you analyze the psychology of the martyr, you can actually start to appreciate the criticism of the atheist. Because the atheist says, well, I don't have that value system. In my mind, there's nothing. This is where we start. This is where we end. When they put you six feet under, zehu, game over. Uh, play the Looney Tunes, uh, <laughs> whatever the, the tune is at the end, you know, whatever. That's all, folks. You know, that, that's it. So for that person, if all I have is the here and now, then it is a suicidal thing, a a suicidal attitude to say, 
don't do every single thing in your power to keep yourself here as long as you can. Because when it's over, it's over. It goes black and finished. So you can understand the criticism from the perspective of the atheist. The atheist sees the faith mindset as there are two choices. You could choose to live in a physical world. You could choose to live in a spiritual world. Which one do you consider to be primary? Oh, your faith seems to indicate that you see the spiritual life as being primary. So that means not only do you not stand to lose anything by dying, maybe you actually stand to gain. And if you actually stand to gain by dying, you're a problem. Because you're then going to make decisions on your own behalf or possibly on behalf of other people that would threaten their lives. Because in your mind, what's the big deal? You'll be carried over into the next world. You'll have paradise. You'll have angels singing and playing harps. Everything's going to be absolutely wonderful. So there you understand their perspective. And I think it's important for us <coughs> to look from a Jewish point of view and say, hang on a second. From a Jewish point of view, that is not the psychology of the martyr. And that is not the psychology of belief in an afterlife. In fact, it is radically different. That's what we need to explore. So if you've got a thought on that, SMS 34519. Send a message via Telegram on 618 Otherwise, keep the conversation going on Twitter and on Facebook. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So, yeah, there are a lot of uh, different views coming through now. That's what happens, right? Once things start moving, then they start moving. <laughs> so it's really nice, nice to have the engagement both through the airwaves and through social media. So here's somebody who says, Richard says, you can make a person live forever if they are thought of by others. Now, that's interesting. It, it could take us down another whole path, which I don't know if we have the time for. But it would certainly get us uh, thinking about, so you don't have to be religious necessarily to believe that somebody can live on. You could live on in the romantics mind as well. We're going to create poetry about you. We're going to immortalize you through art or through your works. So let's be honest. There might be people who get to a stage in their life where they say, who needs it? Why do I need to continue? They will... Um, keep me alive in their memory that will keep me alive in other ways I think it is very very interesting uh, very interesting so okay yeah lots of uh, interesting thoughts I don't know we're going to get through all of them but keep them coming we shall do our best as they say in the classics to, to keep everybody <laughs> to keep everybody entertained so I uh, just wanted to, I'm just trying to find it now. There was another message up here that I wanted to share with you. Surely we as Jews, message from Kathy, surely we as Jews do not strive to live a good life in order to have a good afterlife. Bingo. And now we're talking, you see. So if we want to get into the psychology of the martyr, which is what, what really annoys the atheist, which is why you get this professor saying it's a malignant belief in the afterlife that puts everybody else's lives in danger. So let's stop for a second and say, whoa. Hold your horses. That is not the psychology of the martyr from a Jewish perspective. A Jewish person does not say, I'm going to give up my life for God because I'll get a good package on the other side. Not at all. So what then is the Jewish perspective? And how then is it that we have so much uh, love and so much care for life 
where does that come from? Rene says quite correct, correctly that Hashem says, that you should choose life. It's actually God's advice. How's that for a thing? God advises us that we should choose life. Although some of the commentaries will tell you that that is referring to spiritual life. So that might not work in favor of what it is that we're trying to achieve over here today. So what is the Jewish view? What is the Jewish view and why do we value life? I think the first place to start would be this. As Jewish people, we believe that God took a soul and the soul comes from a very developed, very sublime, deeply spiritual, holy place. And in that place where our soul originated, it had unfettered access to the divine. It had an amazing experience of awareness and wisdom and, and all great and wonderful things. And then the soul gets plonked inside a human body. I don't know how your day started off today, but I can tell you this morning when the alarm went off, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I don't want to get started on this day. I'm too tired. And uh, Give me, what's the classic? Five more minutes, right? Give me five more minutes. That's where our neshama has been plunked down into. The soul is stuck inside a human body, and the human body has major serious limitations. And those serious limitations mean we are mostly blind to, to godliness. We're blind to the purpose of our lives and often even to the talents that we have within ourselves. And we waste a lot of our time. We waste a lot of time. So from that perspective, you could say, the sooner you can get that soul out of the body, the better, because then it will be free again and it will be enlightened again and it won't have all of the baggage of living in the human form. But that's not Judaism at all. Judaism says well, if God put the soul in the body, there's a reason for it. And not only is it a reason because he wants us to, so to speak, make an investment here in order to pick up some kind of major uh, return on investment in the next world. It's actually because, and this is the sledgehammer philosophy of Judaism that is so completely different to how most people perceive it. God's ultimate interest and the reason he made souls, let alone bodies, was because his ultimate interest was for what the soul would be able to perform in the physical experience. When, when a soul passes away, when a person passes away and they go out to heaven, we mourn. Torah mandates that we mourn for them. We say Kaddish for a full year. Not only to elevate their soul. That's what everybody will tell you, and it's true. But not just to elevate their soul. It's because there's a, as long as that soul was here in this world, it was able to achieve. You could fly up to heaven and have the most wonderful time in your life, be exposed to who knows what kind of spirituality, feel close to God. But you can't achieve. In that world, you can achieve zero. In this human form, with all of its limitations, you can achieve, and this is incredibly important to know, infinite achievements. The problem that we have is that we have decided to create a scale, and on that scale, spirituality is high and physical is low. So on that scale, if you can engage yourself in something of spiritual value, you must be higher. You must be in a better place. But if you're stuck dealing with something which is physical, you're lower, you're in a lesser place. Richard says an interesting thing. We value life because we are connected and we're not designed by God to be solitary nomads. Hashem designed us to need each other. So that's part of it, right? Part of it is that, what do you mean we need each other? We could need each other as souls as well. If we were souls in heaven, we could need each other. That's not the point. The point of creation is that every single thing that exists is finite. It could be heaven, it could be Gan Eden, the world to come, whatever you want to call it, it is finite. 
and anything finite can only offer you a finite level of experience or a finite level of, of pleasure or a finite level of understanding. God is infinite. The most valuable thing that could possibly happen to any person is to be plugged into God. Because then you're plugged into infinite. Then you're plugged into what is real. So where do you plug into God? Most people will tell you incorrectly. Most people will tell you that you plug into God in the next that's why there's like an itch to get to the next world because that's where you're going to plug in. Right now, you're kind of dragging your feet spiritually. Right now, you're very spiritually handicapped. So you can't really plug in in this world. But when you get to the next world, then you'll plug in. That is antithetical to Jewish thought. Jewish thought says you plug into God in this world. The absolute ultimate is in this world. There is nothing more meaningful or powerful than when a soul is inside a body. The purpose of the whole of creation was to arrive at this destination, planet Earth, the physical universe, where souls and bodies can work together in harmony. It's the only place that that happens. In all of the spiritual realms, spiritual beings cannot have any physical impact. To many people, physical beings cannot have any spiritual impact. Judaism says that the goal is to be a physical being who has a spiritual impact, and, and actually more than a spiritual impact, a divine impact. Where does life really happen? What is the purpose? Why did God create? So that there would be people who with all their little restrictions, foibles, idiosyncrasies, should do one thing right. One thing that plugs them in. If you, for example, put on tefillin, let's just use that as an example. Right? If you put on tefillin. So what happens when you put on tefillin? You've got five minutes with God. Two minutes with God. I don't know how long it takes a person to put on tefillin. When you put a coin into a charity box, you've got a, a second. How long does it take to put the coin in the charity box? One second with God. Yeah, do you know what a second with God is? you know what a second with God is? It's an infinite second. It's like a wormhole that takes you through from life as we know it with all its issues, traffic, politics, tax, protests, and suddenly you're in a, a place of absolute connection to God. An infinite experience. You can only get that in this world. You can only get that in this world. We'll come back to that in just a second if you want to join the conversation. Not too late. Quite a lot of interaction here on Facebook and on Twitter at FM at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So, yeah, we don't have a whole lot of time left on this particular segment of Fresh Thinking, but it is always wonderful to engage and intact. By the way, if you ever have a suggestion of a topic that we should talk about, the goal of Fresh Thinking is to see things from a fresh perspective. You can at any time engage, info at chaifm.com, or you could uh, send me a tweet or a Facebook message, and uh, you never know, you might just have your topic featured. Why not? Um, so what's the take home? The take home is this. If there is any religious movement, if there's any faith group on the planet who would do everything in their power to preserve life, it would dafka be we who have faith in a world to come, in a life to come. You know why? It's an interesting statement that the Talmud uses. Very interesting statement. The Talmud says that if a person takes their own life, it's difficult to translate in English. But basically what it means is that if a person takes their own life, 
they are deserving to have their life taken from them. Okay, it's weird. I mean, well, the person's already taken their own life. What do you mean? So essentially what that means is that there's only one way really. I mean, there, there, there probably are more than, probably more than one way, but there's only one way that a person can totally lose the opportunity for the next life. And how is that? By not valuing this life. Not because it's going to be a punishment. God's going to say, you see, you stepped out of line, you took your own life, therefore I'm going to punish you. No, no, not at all. Not at all. If you don't value what Hashem has given you, if for one second a person believes that this world is transient and therefore not important because it's just what comes in the next world, well, then you lose the opportunity to experience what the next world is all about. What do you think is going to happen in the next world? What do you think? We arrive over there and they say, you know, everybody lines up and applauds and says, welcome to this world. We... They like what's it going to be a red carpet and a and a nice north facing condominium on some tropical island? No. What happens in that next life is you get to see what your connections in this life produce. The only problem with this life is we don't see what's real, and the next world is where we see it. And the irony is, by the time you see it, you can no longer achieve it, and that's why we try and keep a person in this world. As long as we possibly can. Because as long as a person is in this world, they can achieve it. They can plug into God, which is an infinite connection. Even when the body is gone and even if theoretically the soul is mutated into some kind of form that we don't even know how to imagine, that relationship will always be there. And that's what we should be thinking. At a time where there is illness, like Richard said earlier, that when Hashem makes us sick, it's a reminder to us. It's a reminder of all kinds of things, right? So when there's illness in the world, it should be a reminder to us, why do we value life? Not just to be able to have another motherland coffee. Not just to be able to take another run on the beach. Not just to be able to travel to another exotic destination or make another buck. It should remind us that the value of this life that I'm living now is that every moment within this life, I can achieve something of infinite value. It's called a mitzvah. And so the longer I have those opportunities the better. And so my faith is dafka what would drive me to keep life as long as possible. Thanks for joining and thanks for being part of it. Thanks for all the messages. It's been really, really interesting. Please God will pick up again same time next week 2 p.m. Fresh Thinking right here on High FM. Have a wonderful rest of the week and a good Shabbat.